Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. DA on CBS Sports Radio. DA, how you feeling, bro? Man, I'm feeling great. I'm doing great. Happy Wednesday, boys and girls. One question, one question only. How do you feel? Well, I feel good and I'm doing well. Hey, that's all that really matters. Sounds of Saturday coming to a conclusion this week. The final couple of installments of the most interesting storylines in college football. Today is Alabama. Are they truly vulnerable or lying in the weeds for another national championship run? Voice of the Tide, Chris Stewart's going to join us coming up here on the show in 20 minutes. In 40 minutes, Advanced Analytics. Do you share the same nostalgia for Pizza Hut that both Pete and I do? And the epic fail coming up this morning as well this hour. The Angels, you just, you couldn't even invent what a cruel joke this has become for Angels fans. For more than a decade, they've had the best player in baseball on the team. A do-it-all guy who hits for average, hits for power, runs the bases, great in the outfield, good team guy, doesn't complain, not a diva, wants to be there, re-signs an extension. One of the great players statistically of his generation, an MVP or second of the MVP so many times, Mike Trout. And to follow one of the greatest players of his generation and and perhaps statistically one of the great players ever, you then have another greatest player of his generation follow in those footsteps, almost like Mickey Mantle following Joe DiMaggio. Somehow they got legend after legend. Aaron Rodgers following Brett Favre. Steve Young following Joe Montana. It's almost impossible to believe that they topped Mike Trout by getting Shohei Otani. And Otani turns out to be the most multifaceted, most versatile, most talented baseball player perhaps ever. Perhaps ever. And they get him in his prime. And they actually dovetail, overlap with one another. Who has ever in baseball history, besides those Yankee teams of the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, who basically had a 40-year run of dominance, just one great player after another, who has ever had an overlap of the greatest players in the game simultaneously, or one after one another, and there was an overlap? Maybe the the Mariners with Junior and A-Rod, but I mean... What what the Angels are doing now with Trout and Shohei 
you know, franchises trip over themselves for one of those guys ever, let alone two of those guys in succession and some overlap. And what Angels fans have been delivered for all of this incredible talent that they watch night in, night out, these two super-duper stars, all-time icons, that they'll go to Cooperstown one day and see in hats more than likely an Angels hat, certainly for Trout. We'll see about Otani. But both those guys are likely to be in the Hall of Fame. Trout, again, is a certainty. I would imagine we're basically at the point where Otani is as well. What they will get for two all-time baseball Cooperstown legends in Angels uniforms at the same time is zero playoff appearances while they've both been an Angel. And in total, one playoff appearance and zero playoff wins since the moment Mike Trout arrived in Anaheim. Zero playoff wins. Not one game wild card win, not losing a series 4-1 or losing a series 3-1. One series, a sweep, and that's it. But this year, coming into the season, the Angels did not want to sell on Shohei Otani. And frankly, you can understand the thinking. We have got perhaps the greatest baseball player ever in his prime. He's coming up on a contract extension. If we want to keep him in an Angels uniform, which has to be the priority, the only way we're going to be able to do it is by winning with him to prove to him Look, we can do this, and you want to be here. So let's keep them. Let's go all in. And the Angels attempted to. Maybe they should have traded him last deadline. Maybe they should have traded him this offseason. Maybe they should have traded him sometime during the season. But they said, no, 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 no. We're not going to do it. We want to win with him to show him here is where you want to be. And it's a noble crusade. We want to win. We want him here. To keep him here, we have to win with him and show him. Okay. And they start out the season solid. But then the Angels become the Angels, and they just meander their way through May and June and July, and now we get to the final two weeks before the trade deadline. Now you or I all know the Angels aren't good enough to, to do anything this year, even with Shohei being Shohei. It ain't happening. We all know this. We live in reality. But Artie Moreno didn't. He was looking for anything. Anything. Now, this is like when you are a totally pedestrian-looking guy. You got no future. You got no job. You got nothing to your name. You don't dress real well. Don't have a big bank account. Aren't really handsome. Don't come from a wealthy family, whatever. And you see a 10, and you're just looking for anything to make you believe you have a chance. When I or any of the other bystanders would tell you, man, you don't, don't even worry about that. Don't even worry. This is Mraz thinking he has a shot with Sierra. Don't, don't even manipulate yourself into thinking that because it's only going to distract you from the real thing at hand. But Artie Moreno, a pedestrian organization, with a pedestrian roster in the middle of pedestrian season, saw the 10 and was looking for any reason to believe. Anything. And going into the trade deadline, suddenly there was some life. The Angels hit a little bit of a win streak. And now 
That was the sign. That was her blinking her eyes at me. That was her smiling at me. That was her on the way to the bathroom asking which way to the bathroom. I, I got a chance. So the angels go all in. Full systems go. Order the code red. We're trading for all these guys. We're making multiple trades for multiple players. We're getting starting pitching. We're getting relievers. We're getting infielders. We're getting bats. We're getting everything. And now we're loaded. Now we're going for it. And at the time of the trade deadline, at the time, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim lead the Mariners by a half game of the standings. At this point in time is the peak of hope and optimism in Anaheim. Since then, the Angels have completely fallen apart immediately upon the trade deadline. They lose basically every game. They can't win. Giolito's a disaster. None of the guys they acquired can hit. The whole thing is a mess. And the one hope still coming is Mike Trout's going to be healthy. And Trout is legitimately healthy for 36 hours. Plays in one game and then... He's out again, indefinitely. The Mariners then take off like a rocket. And from the moment of the trade deadline until now, which is basically one month, from a moment where in the standings, the Angels led the Mariners by a game or a half game. Since then, the Mariners have shot up to 75 and 57, nearly 20 games over 500. And tied for one of the wild card spots in the American League, the Angels have cratered. They're 63 and 70, seven games under 500, 12 and a half back. In a month, in a month, the Angels lost 12 games in the standings to the Mariners. In a month, 12 games. And so now the Angels are pulling the ripcord. They're emptying out everybody in the locker room. And the guys that they all acquired, they put them all on waivers. Every single one of them. That's it. We're selling. And this shocked the baseball world because nobody ever puts basically their entire team on waivers. Now, in some ways, it's a smart move by the Angels because... There's nothing to be won anymore. Shohei gets injured. Now he's not going to pitch at all the rest of the season. Trout is re-injured. The guys that you acquired stink. You're totally out of it with a month to go. And so putting all these guys in waivers does one thing. If they get picked up and the Angels are not on the hook for these salaries, the Angels can drop their payroll going into next year below the luxury tax threshold, meaning they avoid the penalty of a lesser compensation pick for Shohei if he leaves. But think about this. Essentially, the Angels are opening up the door and pushing everybody out the door. And now 
the after effects are there's teams right now who could use some of this help for dirt cheap. You're only paying them for the final month of the season. And they're playoff eligible because it'll happen before September 1. So you got some contenders who are like, this are these are dirt cheap options we get to pick up. And if they work, great. If they don't, who cares? There's no risk that could totally alter this run to the playoffs. And the Angels in return are going, best case scenario, we get a second rounder instead of a fourth rounder when Shohei leaves. How demoralizing. I said this the other day. I actually think that the Shohei injury slightly helps out the Angels in retaining him because the line of suitors for Shohei has got to be a little bit less today than it was before the injury. Somebody's going to have to worry about a second Tommy Johnny might have to have. And the cost goes down from perhaps $700 million to four or five. I heard Buster Olney and Jeff Passan talking about this, where they thought the total price was going to be. Many people thought maybe 400, 450 after the injury. Maybe it's at five, but it ain't going to be six or seven. Because now you can't count on him also being a starting pitcher for you. So the price going down, I'm sure, helps out the Angels at least a little bit. So if it went from a 2% chance to a 10% chance, maybe still not good for the Angels to retain him, but there's still a better chance. But overall, think about everything that had to happen cataclysmically for it to go down like this. The Angels had to be just good enough before the deadline, and it had to be right those two weeks to make deals, and then that bad right after the deadline for it to come apart of the seams, and Shohei gets injured, and Trout gets re-injured. And all the guys they add are all a mess. It is like the Angels are doomed. And here they are, poetically, the Angels! When we come back on the show, we'll talk some Tide football. Sounds of Saturday. Chris Stewart, voice of the Tide next. DA, CBS Sports Radio. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake-me-when-the-sun-set summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay. 
obesity. Let's talk obesity. Let's talk obesity. Honestly, here. But DA on CBS Sports Radio. Why not talk about obesity? Welcome back. DA with you here on CBS Sports Radio. We appreciate you. Drop it on by. You can tell your smart speaker to play CBS Sports Radio. Jay tweets, and thanks for putting that image of Schwartz's Bane wearing a CPAP mask into my head. Can that be his costume for Halloween this year? Hashtag, it doesn't matter who we are. Fighting Amish says, oh my God, you guys got me laughing so hard this morning that I sounded like Jody Mack, and I don't even smoke. Fantastic stuff today, fellas. Just fantastic. It doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. It doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. Come back, Kid95. What is happening on the show right now? I am dying. We've had a couple of good ones today. A couple of good ones. I don't know. I'm getting an email from the bosses after a few of those, but... Eh. Eh. It's a Wednesday. <laughs> Just another day around here. That's right. Fighting Amish also says, I was just about to eat a breakfast burrito, DA. I think I'll just stick with coffee, though, today. (laughs) Today's poll question is, do you feel nostalgic just like I do and Pete the Body does about retro Pizza Hut? Vote in the web poll right now at DA on CBS or at CBS Sports Radio on Twitter. We'll get the poll question and poll results coming up here a little bit later on in the hour. Also this hour, Stun to a News coming up as well. Let's not forget, we were on such a roll last hour that we had to forego until this hour, a little Stun to a News. We have Chris Stewart join us here on the show coming up. Coming up here momentarily. The sound of cows does sound a little bit like college football, to be honest with you. But this weekend is week one, opening weekend of the college football season. And while all eyes are on the Georgia Bulldogs, perhaps the Crimson Tide are lying in the weeds. The DA Show counts down the days until the electricity of college football season returns with the game's greatest voices. It is tipped off. And Lewis going on the reflection. Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. It's the sounds of Saturday, every morning on CBS Sports Radio. Five seconds. Young, waiting, gets the snap at two. Pressure coming up the middle, steps up in the pocket, being corralled, breaks away, throws downfield, has a man, catch made, touchdown Alabama! 41 yards, no flags, Houdini escapes again. That call courtesy of the Alabama Sports Radio Network. Last year, two losses, one by three points, one by a single point in overtime, and that equates to not enough in Tuscaloosa. 
Last year, the legendary Eli Gold was not able to call games due to health reasons. This year, Eli will call home games for Alabama. And our next guest will call the road football games. He's also the play-by-play voice of Alabama basketball as well. Joining us, longtime member of the Alabama radio team, Chris Stewart. Chris, good morning. David, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the invitation. My pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. And there are two ways to look at last season's campaign. Two losses in Tuscaloosa without a trip to the SEC title game, without a national championship championship chance or a playoff appearance is looked at as a failure. However, both losses are by a total of mere three points and one point. So do you look at last year as, hey, they were really darn close to being what they used to be, or, nah, that wasn't up to standard? Yeah, it's both. I think the fact that – thank you, first of all, for playing that clip, but it's so funny. That's that's kind of an example right there of where things are are perceived. You know, when you're a play-by-play guy, your, for lack of a better term, your legacy is tied to calls – of plays that you have nothing to do with the play being made. You're at the mercy of what happens on the field. And that particular call was in a great game. It's one that, from a professional standpoint, when I hear it, I'm, I feel like maybe I did it justice. I hope so. But Alabama lost that game. That was against LSU. So from the Alabama fans' perspective, they don't want to hear that call. We lost that game. That's not a you know, that's not a that's not a memorable deal. In fact, I don't know that I have heard that call more than once. And I had to I really until I heard the Houdini escapes again, I wasn't even sure which game it was. But uh, my point is Alabama, as you said, is so accustomed Bama fans are so accustomed to winning the whole thing that in years past, a Sugar Bowl victory and 10-plus wins, that's a heck of a year. But when you've got the returning Heisman Trophy winner, you've got the best defensive player in the country, and you don't win the whole thing, and you lose to Tennessee for the first time in six years, big rival, obviously, Um it's it's not what you're accustomed to. It's not expectation fulfilled. It's uh, it's not total happiness like it would be. That's a season that a lot of places, Damon, they're commemorating it forever. And <laughs> here we are coming off of that. You're a preseason top five team in virtually every poll. And people go, oh, man, things are slipping. <laughs> so uh, it's it's life when you're living at the mountaintop, and that's certainly where Alabama has been. It's also hard to reconcile last year because the two close losses, there was also three really close wins, the one against Texas, the one against Texas A&M, and then against Ole Miss as well. Yeah. We, we are accustomed to Alabama destroying everybody, but if we sure. look, if we look closer, right. has Alabama and Nick Saban actually just won all of their close games, or was last year a symbol that a lot of teams had kind of caught up to the level of at least last year's version of Alabama? I think Alabama's team last year um, was not what it's been. Okay, I know I just spent 
two minutes talking about how close they were and and all of that, what the expectations are. Look, look rationally, you can't look and, and truly analyze last year in comparison to some past teams and say that that one was as good as others at Alabama because of the very thing you just pointed out. While that team easily could have been undefeated national champions, that team also could have been four or five losses, which truly would have been Armageddon in my state. And they would have never let me do play-by-play for a game again <laughs> if I had destroyed it in one season. Yeah, that's Chris Stewart's uh, fault. Right? I, I would have been blamed for being the messenger. <laughs> uh, they would have shot me. But it is – I think it's where Alabama is, Damon, that every everybody else is judged against – everybody else last year in the nation, including Georgia that was coming off the national title. Everybody's judged against Alabama. Alabama is judged against the best of Alabama in years past. So that's a really tough standard to live up to. And I'm not saying everybody doesn't have expectations or a great year that it's compared to, but I think you understand what I'm talking about when I make that statement. It's Alabama's graded on a, a tougher curve than everybody else right now. And it's a really tough one to live up to, but it's a heck of a spot to be in. And I think this year's team, if if quarterback does indeed get figured out and you catch the breaks that everybody has to, to catch in order to be great. I say it every year when I get asked, how's the team going to be? I said, you got to be good to be in the mix of, in, in the conversation at the start of the year. you got to be great to be in the mix late, but you got to be lucky to win it all. And luck doesn't just mean a, a good bounce here or there. It, it can mean um, not having the wrong injury to the wrong player or the wrong position at the wrong time. Uh, it, it can mean a lot of different things. But luck is absolutely involved no matter how great you are. And I think Alabama is going to be talented enough that they absolutely ought to be in the conversation. I think they've got a chance to be great, and with a little luck, they could win the whole thing. Chris Stewart joins us. He'll be calling play-by-play of Tuscal- in Tuscaloosa, or I should say for Alabama football when they're not playing in Tuscaloosa on the road this year for the Alabama Crimson Tide Radio Network, and he joins us this morning to preview the season. Now, when it comes to Nick Saban withholding the depth chart, what does that tell us if it instructs us, instructs us about anything about that QB decision? I think it tells you he's tired of the questions and he got frustrated and said, forget it. Uh, you know, and I think that's what it is as much as anything. I think there's, there is a lot of talent at the position. I mean, it, it's not as I've, I have seen many seasons, even that have wound up with a championship victory, a national championship at Alabama, where you've looked at it and gone, oh, man, this is going to be interesting. Um, I'm not so sure. There's not a question of talent at the quarterback slot. That room is loaded with guys that most teams around the country really would like to have. It's just not proven at this level on a consistent basis. And I think that's that's why there's uh, a little bit of angst. You know, it's amazing, Damon. Alabama didn't have a guy that you would consider to be a regular starting quarterback in the National Football League until, I guess it was four years ago, three yeah. years ago maybe. 
the last regular starter from Alabama was Richard Todd with the New York Jets. Wow. Now you've had four straight guys come out that uh, between Jalen Hurts, Tua, Mac Jones, and obviously now Bryce Young. That's going to make four starters in the National Football League, unquestioned starters for their squads. And that's, that's incredible. So I think, again, as we're talking about being judged against the past, that's what Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, um, you know, Tyler Buckner, all those guys of the veterans that are on the roster now are being judged against. And I think that's why there's a little bit of wringing of hands by those that, uh, that are on the outside looking in. It's also symbolic of the greatness of Nick Saban because he built a dynasty based on defense and run of the football and then saw the game go into a passing attack more and more and now has become quarterback yeah. you and wide receiver you. So you know, it, he knows what Damon, he's doing. You're like me. I think you remember, you remember Coach Bryant, and we may, we may not have seen. I'm not exactly sure how old you are. I remember reading about and, and knew that Alabama in the early 70s made the change from the eye to the wishbone. But it took a couple of years. There were a couple of six and five seasons before they transitioned fully to the wishbone and, and became what they were in the 70s under, under him. Nick Saban has changed the tires while the car was still moving. You know, he made moves and, and altered what they did. Not total overhaul, but there was definitely a change in the look and the scheme over time and continued to compete for championships. There was no major, there's been no major drop off. And that to me is one of the most amazing things to witness in this whole deal. It's not like, well, we're taking a year to get it figured out or two years. Nope, doing it on the fly. And that's, uh, that's part of the greatness that you talk about. Absolutely right. First up for Alabama coming up on Saturday night, home game against Middle Tennessee, and then a biggie next weekend. The rematch against Texas Longhorns coming to Tuscaloosa next weekend as part of the All-State Crossbar Classic. So can't wait to see how Bama ends up. And, Chris, I appreciate the time this morning. Chris Stewart, part of the Alabama Crimson Tide Radio Network for many, many years, joining us this morning on the show. I appreciate the time very much, Chris. Hopefully we'll catch up again this season. Anytime. I appreciate the invitation. Love being with you. You got it. Chris Stewart joining us this morning from Alabama here on the DA show as the sounds of Saturday continues. We've got a couple more installments the rest of the week, and then we've got kickoff of college football's week number one this weekend. All right, standing by with our final headlines of the morning is a kind sir, a wonderful gentleman in his own right, a scholar as well, Andrew Bogish. DA was the cold open three and a half hours ago. Yesterday's roster deadline came and went with Jonathan Taylor still in Indy. Maybe the Colts had two legit offers for their unhappy running back, but didn't accept either. Instead, Taylor begins the year on the pup list following off-season ankle surgery. He'll miss the first four games of the season at least. After that, a TV station in Indy says a suspension is possible with the Colts believing that Taylor is already healthy enough to play and that he is staging a hold-in because he wants that new contract. As you've heard by now, the Patriots only have Mac Jones on their roster right now at QB. Bailey Zappi, Malik Cunningham put on waivers yesterday with the team apparently hoping both end up back on their practice squad, at least Zappi they'd like. 
to end up being their backup still. To baseball and the Phillies keep hitting homers and they keep winning games as well. Uh, Alec Bohm, a go-ahead three-run shot. Five total dingers last night. That's 57 for the month. A 12-7 final over the Angels last night, extending the Philly win streak to five. They maintain their four-game lead on the Cubs atop the wildcard standings since those Cubbies snapped the Brewers' nine-game win streak, one nothing at Wrigley last night. Cincy's Spencer Steer broke up Giants righty Alex Cobb's no-hitter with a double with two outs, top nine. <laughs> Cobb settling for a 131-pitch complete game, a 6-1 victory, which leapfrogs his Giants over the Diamondbacks for the last NL wildcard spot. Arizona, a 9-1 loss at Dodger Stadium last night. The Mariners fell to Oakland 3-1 after the Rangers held off the Mets 2-1 and the Astros won at Fenway 6-2. So there's a three-way tie for first in the AL West this morning. It's not just those six Angels on waivers right now. White Sox riding Mike Clevenger, Mets riding Carlos Carrasco, and Harrison Bader. The Yankees are there for the taking as well. Claims awarded tomorrow with the pick order going from worst to first. The Yankees also cut Josh Donaldson yesterday, I think roughly two months after a very wise Bob the Deli Man maybe rudely told team president (laughs) Randy Levine in the Yankee Stadium elevator to cut Donaldson, but Bob has never seen the future better than on that May (laughs) night in the Bronx. USA men's basketball rolling to a 110-62 win over Jordan to finish group play at the FIBA World Cup in the Philippines. Anthony Edwards scored 22 points in 19 minutes. Round two starts Friday against Montenegro. 43-year-old Venus Williams with her third consecutive first-round loss at the U.S. Open. This time, 6-1, 6-1 to Belgian qualifier Harit Minin. I really gave it my all today, and I'm, I really you know, played some great shots, but she had some incredible answers to that, and um, I wish I could have been more prepared for that. We still have no idea how much longer Venus plans to play on the men's side. I'm Carl- sure she'll she'll probably be on Arthur Ashe, though, again next year, and she'll play the 300th-ranked player and lose 6-1, 6 she'll do it one more time? She shouldn't. She shouldn't. See, I, I actually think she's just going to go away, unlike Serena. She's going to tell us she's done playing. I don't think she's in it for, like, Goodbye. Like she just wants to play now. This is not her hanging on for ovations and a goodbye tour. She can't play, right? So, this is, but this is her just trying to play. When she's done, she's just going to be done. There'll she's be no four, advance warning. Forty-three years old. Now? Yeah. Boy, that's really old for a tennis player, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's like way older than you would be in baseball. I and mean, what's the equivalent in baseball or basketball? It's like being like fifty. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's Brady. Not be like if, not Mo- the, be like if Moises Alou was still playing, <laughs> right? Not the production of Brady, but in terms of how far the age is. And she's also playing singles. Like, there are players who have hung around right. playing doubles. Right. That that old-ish, but 43 trying singles, to play singles Singles, tennis at 43 is like if Brady played quarterback at 55. <laughs> really? I, that's what I'm saying. It's like 43 it, it, years the, old to play singles. The toll on your body, the amount of... Yeah, you. I mean, you got, you've got young people coming in that... that can be 16 right. playing, 17 years like old. Like, the peak in, your peak age in tennis is, like, 26 to 28. Right. Not, not on the women's side. It's Sometimes probably even younger earlier. on the women's yeah. side. Yeah. Or younger on the women's side. Right. Yeah. Uh, WNBA last night, the Mystics outscored the Lynx 83-72 to take over fifth place in the playoff chase. Now, stunned. Woo-hoo! 
it doesn't take much to surprise this bouncing baby boy. This is honestly the most stunned I have ever been on the show to a news. The DA show is stunned to a news. So this one came courtesy of our friend uh, Moose, Milwaukee Moose, Moose in Wisconsin. I confused the Meese. There's more than one, right? <laughs> the Meese. Uh, congrats to Wenzel's Farm in Marshfield, Wisconsin. They celebrated recently their 75th anniversary by getting into the Guinness Book of World Records nice. by right. making a 314-foot meat snack stick. Is that right? I guess that's the non-copyrighted name of a Slim Jim. Uh, oh. Wenzel's Farms has been producing regular-sized meat stick snacks and other products since 1949, still operating really? on the original family farm. Wow. Now. I don't want to rain on their 75th anniversary parade, uh-huh. but I kind of don't accept the Guinness Book of World Records, this ilk, where it's just like, I'm going to make the longest right. or the biggest. Now, if you want to give me the biggest pumpkin that you had to like kind of grow and cultivate, and maybe there's a little bit of skill involved, maybe I can listen. Right. But like... Just rolling out the longest continual thing of meat that's basically just a machine doing it in the human hands and you're just stretching it out. I don't I don't know if that's world record in the truest sense of the term. I understand your your skepticism here. In one way though, I'm I'm proud that it's a small family farm yes, doing it and not correct. Johnsonville or Purdue or something like that. Definitely. And I wonder, like, is this meat stick going to be like a Slim Jim? Or is it I don't know what a else thicker to... piece of meat? I mean, it's got to be thicker to survive the 314-foot journey right. from, from tip to base. And there's a 312-foot meat stick out there? Right. And now tomorrow, I'll just do 316 and I win. Like, that's a, that's what I... This is, I'm going to do one more than the last guy. I'm looking at the story. Do they decide why it's 314 feet? Like, yeah, I don't know if that's just when it stopped working correctly. Because like, <laughs> you know, the if meat right off the bone. You'll learn this soon with sweet little uh, Andrew Jeremiah. When you're doing like Play-Doh. Andrew Jeremiah. And, you know, like, you know, you're, like the, the Play-Doh like spaghetti maker thing. At some point, the string just kind of dies. Like it just yes. can't hold itself up anymore. So right. I'm wondering if this happened here that they just finally, 314 wasn't the goal. That's just um. when the link was broken. Well, they had it. They rolled it out on like a big hamster wheel kind of thing. Oh, you're seeing this? Yeah, if you, yeah the article that Bogue sent us. Uh, if you click on that link. Oh, actually, no. I had to go. I had to, yeah, there's no picture in the link you sent. Yeah. Bad link. Um, I Googled where, uh, Menzel's Farm. What the hell the name of the farm is? Wenzel's, Wenzel's. Farm. Wenzel's. 314-foot meat stick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you that. just click images. And they're like rolling it out on like a, a wheel, basically. It almost looks like one of those old-school bingo machines. like a, Just like a wood circle with some fencing around it. And Boyle's right. They're just rolling it. Instead of going straight 314 feet, it's just coiling over oh. this, like, this sort of like barrel kind of thing. I like handling meat. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I see at least six people handling this particular meat stick six. snack. Oh, hump. I see. It's kind of almost like fruit by the foot. Mm-hmm. Meat by the foot. It's meat by the foot. It's the way meat should be served. You know, yeah, I'm torn. I mean, you know, a Slim Jim's fine in a, in a pinch, 
you run into a gas station, a truck stop or something, you don't want to wait in line for the hot food, or maybe there's a taquito or some type of hot dog that's been on that roller since last Tuesday. <laughs> and so you're like, you know what? I don't feel like chips. I don't feel like candy. Let me snap into a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. At the same time, if you're an actual beef farm or meat farm, you've been around since the 40s, I feel like there's a better way to achieve fame. I got a lot of meat on my bones. Than a, than a coiled hose of meat stick. I mean, it's probably have quality meat. Pat well, LaFrida, but that that's a quality purveyor of meat right there. Sure, but that wouldn't make it to this show. If they released, like, the original recipe of their first meat stick from 1952, that would not make Stun to a News on this national sports talk radio show. But rolling out 314 feet of meat did. Somebody in that marketing department's getting a raise. I just, this is where the Guinness Book of World Records loses me, just and like it's you. it's dumb. Because you can create your own record of this case, or what happens if we just bought a bunch of Slim Jims and taped them together to make 315 feet? You can't do that. Oh, baloney. There are rules, DA. <laughs> What's the rule? I actually think, I think for a Guinness Book of World Record, somebody from Guinness has to be there right. to observe it. Yeah, be here and we'll tape them all together. But that's not going to be, it's continuous. This is an uninterrupted 314 feet. All right, well, our record is the longest Slim Jim taped meat stick. And that's a record. Suddenly everything's a record. Yeah. There's no last page to the book. That's my problem. We watered it down. And we used to go to the book fair in third grade. And you could get the Guinness Book of World Records. You thumb through it. And there were real records in there. You know, tallest human being. The two fat twins on the bikes. The motorcycles. How many guns can you hide inside your fat folds? <laughs> there's, there's legit records. And now we're just futzing around and watering it down. <laughs> that was close. Continuous meat sticks. Uh, you know, I'm out. When we come back, advanced analytics and your epic fail. DA, CBS Sports Radio. Even the DA show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic feel. What if Jerry Jones took his cues from Jack? It's like putting a tick on a tampon and ask him not to swell up. And here we go. Welcome to Wednesday. Now, I don't even know if Jerry really said that. I don't think he did. But you could make, like, you could convince me that he definitely did. Yeah, or that he will now. We've got it down to the nitty gritty. We really do. Kind of circumcising the mosquito. It's like putting a cucumber in brine and asking him not to be a pickle. Zeke Prescott. <laughs> Spanking himself. It's like putting Larry Allen in an old country buffet and asking him not to fall over. Mashed <laughs> <laughs> potatoes all over his face. <laughs> it's like asking the actors to pay the writers <laughs> so the strike ends. Don't be ridiculous. It's like putting a skeeter on a tamp. <laughs> you would definitely say Skeeter Mosquito It's like talking about the Arizona Cardinals Not having the CBS Sports Insider on Nice and cute as always It's like talking NFC West Without a young man that's grown up in a Brooklyn Brownstone <laughs> Just makes sense <laughs> It's like going to a five-star restaurant and getting filled up on bread and butter. <laughs> Imagine Jerry starts stealing Jackisms. <laughs> Wait, I heard that before. 
I might be the psychopath here. It's like watching Peyton and Eli and thinking it can't get better, and all of a sudden, Ark comes along. <laughs> Ark Manning. It's like biting into the freshest Tangier chicken you've ever eaten. <laughs> it's so succulent and delicious. <laughs> it's so succulent and delicious. You leave just so satisfied. Kind of like week one of college football. Wait a second, I've heard that somewhere before. <laughs> Kai Horton started a Jets chant on a train today. Let's go Jets. <laughs> you know the old Jets chant. Let's go Jets. Let's go Jets. I feel that way every time I watch Aaron Rodgers take the feet. Start me up, Aaron. Let's go Jets. Epic fail, you loser. Poll question. Do you feel nostalgia for retro Pizza Hut like I do and Pete the Body? 66% say yes. Love the hut. Data tells us used to be a Pizza Hut is a Twitter account dedicated to finding former Pizza Hut restaurants, including those with the famous red plastic cups, dark lighting, and mahogany tables. Pizza Hut was the first pizza company to deliver in outer space in 01. Pizza Hut made the longest journey yet when it delivered pizza to the International Space Station. How does that work? Is it really a delivery or they just put a Pizza Hut on a spaceship or rocket? The company's website also states that the founding brothers name named it Pizza Hut because their signage space only had enough rooms for eight letters. All of this is amazing. Alan tweets, DA could hide a gun under that helmet he calls hair. Hashtag barber. Under that helmet. <laughs> and Allie tweets, and I woke up to DA and you guys ranking cow moose and Saluki Bob beef eater. Absurdity at its best. Hey, that's Bob Beefaroni. Thanks to Pat Boyle, executive producer. Pete the Body Bellotti, the Wheels of Steel and Audio Director. Andrew Bogush on your headlines. Andrew Kaplan, the Wizard of Watch DA. I'm DA. We'll see you tomorrow. The Mothership Disconnects. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.